we are back. Unlocked football. It's getting cold out here in Canada, but we're here showing up, trying to provide the value regardless. So we have a special guest today, man. Um, coming from the Kitchener community, went on to play in the Premier League. Don't get to say that often. Had successful stint at several other clubs within the UK. Canadian Premier League champion, um, not just as a player, as a coach too. Now giving back in other ways within our community through individual coaching and uh, player development. So, David Edgar, thanks for coming on, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming. Or thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Definitely, man. I'm really excited because we know through this journey that you've had coming from here, that's a lot of information and stuff that I'm sure you've taken in. So, now you're back home. Um, how's it feeling? Like, how's life now? The family life. I'm sure it's nice to be back with the family within the community that you grew up in. Is there any changes that you noticed from either a soccer perspective mm. or just a life perspective being back here? No, it's a good question to start, man. I, uh, I was actually thinking about this last night uh, about the, the being back aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, you, sometimes I think to myself, I, I, it's always that you always think about the future and, and whatnot and you forget to be in the present moment. And yeah. I was thinking about it the other day, like I've been back for five or six years now, so I'm home. I'm not like here for a little bit and I'm about to, I'm, I'm home. You're here. And it's what I've actually always wanted for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I had that moment of realization and just go like, yeah, like I am home, like embrace it and it is what it is. And, and I love these, bringing my girls to soccer and things like that and those, those regular things. So yeah, uh, yeah I've seen, I've seen soccer change slightly. Obviously, uh, I've dipped my toe in the water a little bit since being back, um, and uh, I've loved every minute of it. So yeah, it's, it's great being back. So what would you think, say has changed, like just briefly, because I know when you had grown up here, there weren't as many academies, places to play for players. You know, TSC was probably in its infancy, even if it, I don't know if it existed at that time. So mm -hmm. now you see a lot of Canadian Premier League clubs, academies, a lot of different options for players. So. What does that mean as a player growing up now? And you think it's good, it's better, more opportunities, or is it more difficult to navigate? Well, I think you touched on it at the end there. Uh, personally, yeah. what I've seen, yes, we have all these areas and these, and these places to go, but I think if, if I'm talking to your audience here as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old David Edgar, I think there's a lot to take in. I think there's a lot of different things to be looking at. Instead of when I was a kid, I knew who I was gonna play for, I knew the next step. Yeah. I knew where I was going to go and, and I had those ambitions to just write on my wall and knock off and and I think in a sense it was kind of easier, uh, at least at least clearer, there's a bit more clarity in the pathway I think but yeah, yeah it's, it's a little bit difficult for kids uh, at, the, at this moment but at the same time they didn't have to try and carve out a career abroad away from their family and friends so true. they have that on their doorstep now which, which is what we always as foreign players in other countries wanted in our home nation. Yeah. So you're right, you touched on it. It is really good to have these options, but it's just so tough. The pathway isn't as clear, like, you know, with the club team, that's like you go here and then can go here, and these are the kind of pathways. Now it's, you could go anywhere. So I guess it's similar to other nations and that the pathway is a bit complicated at times, but we do have the options. So you left Canada um, to go overseas to Newcastle. That was your first destination yeah, yeah. in Europe. So. 14 man we talked about it just now it's that's a young age that's a young age to leave home your family everything behind so what if you think back was going through your mind when you were preparing to go 
And was it excitement? Was it a bit of scaredness? Like, what was going through your mind at that time? You know, again, since since I found out we were gonna be doing this, and I'll, and recently we've been doing some some school talk things, and, and I've I've kind of dug into my my like life as a kid and and my career path. So um, you remember these things, and uh, it was tough. Obviously, I was fourteen, but in all honesty, if I look back. Hand in my heart, I, I would have gone earlier. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I was willing to go earlier. I think in my head, I had 12 years old. For some reason, I had this 12-year-old in my head that I, I was going, I was yeah. going to leave. And it was close, but I probably, I probably wasn't ready even at 14. So that to think it's uh, kind of crazy. It's actually crazy to think that, yeah. that at that time, I think I missed it by two years. That's, That's crazy. Thought, eh? That's what I thought, yeah. 14 is what, just... Um, beginning of high school. So I left. I left. I, I did Blesketary from kindergarten to grade eight, and then I went to the big school St. Mary's downtown yeah. for a semester, and then at Christmas that right, right before Christmas I started kind of talking to teachers and stuff, and like I, I knew I wasn't coming back, yeah. and we we kind of sorted out that it was I was gonna at least go to England. It was only a, it was meant to be two weeks. Wow. And then, uh, but I knew deep down I was never coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was your mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was goodbyes. That's important, man. That mindset. You thought, like you said, or you knew you weren't coming back. You're going there. You're making the most yeah. of this opportunity. So I just want to get into a bit. I don't want to gloss over the certain de details because there's logistics in it as well. Mm -hmm. So you're a UK citizen? I am. Yeah, I am now. And sure. at that time, were you? At that time, I was able to be so. I wasn't. Uh, so listen, when I first got over, I had troubles. Uh, in when I first got to Newcastle, it was close to being sent back because we just couldn't get the passport issue resolved. Wow. Uh, so similar to to a lot of other Canadians at that time, I'm sure yourself uh, and a lot of players you played with had those issues. But yeah, it, it almost was kibosh right at the beginning, and and then obviously got through, got my passport, and then I was good to go after that because my parents are both British. Okay, so it worked out in the mm -hmm. end. What about um, living situation? Is this something you had uh, predetermined already and um, kind of had sorted out before you went? Yeah, so originally I'd gone to England on a, on a trip. We were Kitchener Spirit under, under tens, I think we were. Some, we, went to, mm -hmm. we did an Arsenal tournament and the Man United Umbro tournament. Okay. Uh, this would have been, oh God, I don't know, I'll have to ask my dad the year, but so I was 10 years old and I got, I still have the letter of being invited back from Man United on, to sign, right? So they'd watch me in this thing. I come over and it was to come an invitation, but they were saying, if you, if you lived here, we could do something, but I was 10 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking at that time, okay, well, I'll, I'll go. Let's figure it out. Like, yeah. I'll go. And it was never an option of my parents going. I knew that deep down. It wasn't like uh, ever that. I was just, I think I was willing to go at 10 years old. It's like, I didn't know where Manchester was at the time. So, yeah. right, but, um, then as it as it rolled on, um, I got that that opportunity at, at fourteen. So, so then the opportunity did come up at fourteen. It was originally to go to Celtic. Okay. Yeah. So I was originally supposed to go to Celtic, fly because I'd spent the summer between grade eight and grade nine entirely in England. Mm -hmm. So I spent I left trained at Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Celtic, Rangers, all sort of northeast and in, in Scotland. And was invited back by most of them, mm -hmm. uh, Newcastle. But the one I obviously I wanted was Newcastle. And at yeah. the time, they couldn't do anything because I wasn't living there. Now, Celtic were willing to pay for me to come over once a month for four to five days. 
so go to school in St. Mary's, yes. fly over for four or five days for once a month and up until for the full year until I'm ready and then wow. until my mom would let me go mm -hmm. and go. So that was amazing to do that for a kid for Canada, which I thought. That's massive. So roll on, we're about to, the first month of going, the guy who organized it all was fired. So mm -hmm. that was dead in the water. Nobody was mm -hmm. gonna take a 14-year-old kid from Canada. But then when I got a Newcastle, I got a Christmas card from Newcastle Scout. When I thought everything, my dreams were dead in the water, I gotta wait more and more years, blah, blah, blah. And I got the Christmas card and we just kinda, in all honesty, me and my dad kinda planned it. And we're just mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look to go and we, we, we spoke to him. And then the hard part of telling my mom <laughs> that, that we were going and originally was for two weeks and ended up being 17 years, so. Wow. Yeah. But you had that hunger and determination from that young, which you see it um, on occasion, I think, with an age group, but then you never know how serious it is. So yours, you had these opportunities, and I'm sure going to Celtic and these other clubs, Middlesbrough, through the summer mm -hmm. helped with the culture change. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure there is a bit of a culture shock or maybe just a difference in culture from growing up in Canada and then going on to yeah. play there. Can you just touch on kind of what you had to get used to on the pitch and even off the pitch from going there as a 14-year-old and even touching on going there younger? Um, just things that you noticed that were different and that you had to acclimate to. Yeah. So going, going back to the, the question before, so I, I ended up moving in with my, my grandmother, my mom's mom, my okay. nanny. So Nancy White, which she's you can Google her. She's been named in m numerous articles I've done because... The, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be sat here today if it wasn't for her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she took me in. She'd been living on her own for years and years. Nice, small little house in England, and she looked after me, a 14-year-old kid. Like that, that for me was, I'll be forever grateful because she, it was tough. Yeah. No, no matter what way you look at it, that's tough for an old lady to do. So, and it's tough for me to do. Right. Mm -hmm. We were, we were getting used to each other. So. Um, yeah, so I lived with my nanny, and then there was that. There was getting used to that. Then there was getting used to a new school, which it was a shirt and tie and a blazer and shoes and dress oh, pants every okay. day, and and you got to say yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, and yeah. it was it was a culture shock. And I got a funny Canadian accent, yeah. and I'm wearing an England jacket in England, which was cool in Canada, <laughs> but wasn't cool in England. Like, there's a lot to think of in your first week, right? Yeah. So I did that and learning the bus system and like I'm 14 years old, I'm getting two buses and two trains to the city center to, to train with Newcastle. Not really knowing where this is gonna go. I yeah. just blind, it's blind faith at this point. Mm -hmm. And I just got a dream to pursue and I'm here. So like that for me, yeah, it sounds crazy now when I think about it and have my own kids, but at 14 years old, that was it. I was I was a kid. I was a Canadian kid living in England, playing for Newcastle. That was yes. it. That was my opportunity. That's everything I wanted. So why was I not going to just take it with both hands? And when you say it like that, that's the dream. You say that to any soccer player on the air, they'll snap at the opportunity to 100%. go and do that. They, they say they would. They say they would, right? But the reality is, like you said, a massive culture change. And I don't think a lot of players think about the actual things that you have to endure. Um, I'm sure there's days that kind of took a toll on you mentally. Mm -hmm. Bad days, good days, um, where you come back and maybe aren't in a good mood. So, Nancy White was the lady. Nancy name. White, yeah. shout out Nanny Nancy. Nancy. White, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's having a tough time right now. She's been in hospital for a week, so uh, yeah, we're uh, yeah, no, she's she's good. She's a fighter, so that's we're good. gonna get over and see her soon. Um, so just a, one more on the culture difference. Um, would you say there is a bit of a difference in the desire from 
of players, um, local players in England compared to Canadian players. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in other countries in the world, football is their lives. You know, you see the game growing here, but it's not at the point where it's do or die, especially countries that are, mm-hmm. you know, of poverty and, mm-hmm. you know, third world nations. So England is not necessarily that, but in, uh, mm-hmm. football is its yeah. culture and its, it's life, life. So, right? So what was the kind of difference in terms of mentality and desire from players over there? Yeah, there's, listen, I, I would never take away from anyone's desire like yours or mine or anyone else's that we played with even in, in locally, yes. right? But it is a way of life there. It's not just a desire. It's, 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 a, it's a need in certain areas. It's, I need to do this. I need to because without this, I won't be anything else. And it's a true belief that, that, that that's happening. So, yeah, like that that is different that hits hits a little bit different when you're there because you feel yeah. it and you feel it as a young canadian because i'm coming to take their spot yeah right like it so the shit i had to deal with on a monday tuesday and thursday night in newcastle on, on a winter's night it's not for that's not for the faint-hearted right mm-hmm. it, it really isn't and there was times crying on the bus on the way home but i even knew during those tears that that shit was going to make me stronger regardless yes. so yeah I was a little bit crazy, but I knew it was part and parcel of the game, and I knew, I knew I had to, I had to overcome those obstacles for when stuff really got hard. But that built that mental fortitude, because I'm sure guys, like like you said, you're coming in from Canada trying to take someone else's position, someone else's spot, who has the same dream. Yeah. So they're not necessarily going to be nice. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's nice guys, but at the end of the day, you're fighting for that position, right? So. I'll tell you when they were nice for the first time. Yeah. When they realized I could play. Mm. You felt that, right? Like yeah. you've been there, you've been in the same situation where yes. you get the respect of players regardless of who you are off the field when they know you can play on the field. Yeah. So that's the way I looked at it. If I can play, you're gonna respect me that way. Mm-hmm. And I know who I am off the field regardless. So like me or leave me, it's up to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was like that at 14. So yeah, my my whole thing was I needed to be able to com- first get to their level when I got there, and then I had to knock them off the perch to to be because only there's only a certain amount of people who can play for Newcastle. Yeah. So it's the way I looked at it, and you know the funny thing is, the same guys who I'm talking about were in my wedding party, right? Like it's, being good friends, right? Yeah. So like it's not, but that I could I could park that mentality. Yeah. Right. I could go. All right. It's, I know what I need to do now for my goals and mm-hmm. dreams. But I also know that off the field, these guys, they're my good friends and yeah. I want to be a part of their life. So it's, a, it's, a, it's tough to toe the, toe the line at times. And I think some people might struggle with that. Yeah, it's tough. And even I find myself now, it's a bit of a test, isn't it? You kind of test players to see where they're at and yeah, yeah. you want to see oh, what, yeah. what are they about. They have a little something to them. And then mm-hmm. you kind of see and the football speaks for itself. 100%. Like you said, it's a, it's a language on its own. It speaks for itself. Um, what about, um, so like that, like we spoke about, the mental fortitude. Um, when Before you had gone over, was there any moments here where you felt, I guess you would notice it after, but did you look at back and how you would go to training and how you live life here and think, wow, I had it good. You know, I don't know if this is the case, but you, you find some players where, my mom's packing my football bag for you, for you, you know, packing my boots. Um, you know, I come home and there's dinner and, you know, 
when you go abroad, it's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have people that look after you, but you're on your own. So was that a bit of a change as well? Where you're like, look, I have to really take care of myself and mm -hmm. even nutrition. You had to kind of take that on your own, right? Mm -hmm. To take care of your body and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I was an advocate on my nutritional habits at that age. Mm -hmm. When I got into the academy, then yes, I was blessed with fast metabolism. I just, I, I was skinny anyway, but yes. that's something that plagued me later in my career for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was those, sorry, what were, what was it? So just about the, um, kind of, um, I don't want to say just the difference in how you're being taken care of in one mm -hmm. environment and mm -hmm. then going to you're on your own and taking care of yourself. Yeah. So I was taken care of definitely when I got to Nanny Nancy's, like <laughs> she looked after me in the ways that a grandmother would look after her grandson. Right. right so yeah. like cups of tea, things like that. My food was ready, everything. But like, it was I wasn't looked after in the sense that like I still have to look after my own things where I'm going what times wasn't part of my schedule like yeah. I had to take ownership of all those decisions what bus to get mm -hmm. what train to get to make sure I'm on time those types of things my schoolwork with no parental guidance while I was there at the time not their fault that they weren't just I was they weren't there and we yeah. didn't have the internet and like when I first got there I was getting a train to the city to go on, to the internet cafe to talk to my just family, to talk to your family and to plan it to talk to a girl who is now my wife right yeah. so I was five <laughs> hours behind waiting to see if she'd hop on MSN <laughs> just right? so you could chat to yeah her. it turns out I married her so wow. right so those trips to the internet cafe paid off they paid off but man. but yeah it was those things like right like I, I could sit and talk to you all day about the, the things but at the academy, we were looked after, 100%. Mm -hmm. But we had to earn the right to be there. It wasn't given to us. Even at the academy, we had jobs. I had to clean oh, the boot good. room. Then our jobs would change. Some people would be in cafeteria. You'd have to clean the cafeteria. But you have your jobs. And the academy manager would walk through, and he would take his time and make sure everything was clean, and then he would let us go. So it's not like in and out, right? right? That's the academy. So you were set up in a structure. Um, uh, then we had schoolwork together. Uh, that was chaos like you're gonna have 20 guys in the same team in one classroom it's not not getting much done but yeah but yeah but i think my parents set that in me like they gave me the autonomy to to really look after my own stuff but they required that of me at, at, a, at a young age it was just like look after your boots man like yeah. make sure you pack your own boots like I, I, I clean my own boots like when i played hockey my mom my mom was adamant i was gonna have clean hockey equipment and I came out and I, and I dried it everything, every single time. Like stuff like that, yeah. for me, that's compound interest. You do those habits as a youngster, I certainly do them now as, as an adult, yes. right? And I did them through my career. So those good habits, and I'm, I'm a believer in, in teaching my kids those too. So mm -hmm. just well, simple things, right? Like, yeah. Well, it pays off in the end too, because at some point you're going to have to take instruction from someone you know in a superior position and you want to be in a place where it's not like a shock like mm -hmm. oh i have to clean something like if you're used to doing those things it becomes second nature like yeah. you said so what was it like at that age i'm sure you came in contact with some of the first team and seeing them train and behave yeah what was it like at that time seeing some of the these top players premier league players as a youngster oh, I, I just remember getting the first opportunity to watch them train and then watching two players pegging a ball back and forward after training one day on the wet grass in Newcastle and it was about this big and the ball never left this much higher than the grass so you could you could see it just cutting the water off and I was I it was like 
I was hypnotized. Just, and just watched it back and forth, and I was like, wow. That, and I, I, that was something that I took pride in, in ball striking when I was younger anyway. So I, I, yes. liked, I liked to ping a ball. And, but to see them do it at that level, it was like, okay, this is, that's what we need to get to. And that's after practice, right? So that's the extra work. And I remember yeah. seeing another little pocket of players here doing extra work and pocket of players here. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what you need to do. Yeah. It's not just what you're given. It's all that other shit that I did, the running to Buscatari, to Bud Park as a kid when no one else was doing it. I got to do that now when everyone else is doing it, yeah. right? Like it's still got to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the... The hardest thing as a professional, as you'd know, right, is doing, is continuously doing those things. Yeah. Well, that's what kind of makes longevity, right? Continually doing those things. Even how people take care of their body. Mm-hmm. You see the top professionals now, like we were watching World Cup. Guys are playing at 35, 36, 37. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy top man. level. So you can imagine the stuff that they're doing. Um, I want to touch on kind of now just a bit on your actual Premier League career. So... When you watch Premier League on TV, we see just the pitch, the mm-hmm. lights, and it's all like a show, and we don't imagine what it is coming through that tunnel mm-hmm. for the first time. Do you remember coming through the tunnel for your first no. appearance? No, I'm trying to, dude, I swear, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. and I, it'll come back to me one day, but I didn't remember a lot of the first game against Man United. I, re- I remember my debut yes. at Bolton. I remember that tunnel, but I don't remember the tunnel at St. James's. Okay. For for everything in me, maybe going back next month I'll I'll walk down. Yeah, I'll remember it. But yeah, it, I remember the warm up. I remember coming out, and I remember after we shook hands, and then it was like, whoa, this is real now, mm-hmm. right? Because it's everything, everything that I'd ever dreamed of as a boy. The song, even down to the song they play, yes. even to the way that where I know the crowd is, where the loudest part is. Like I knew these things as a, as a as a boy, yeah. right? To now being involved in them and like. Okay, now I have to go perform. Now, now I'm an autopilot. Yeah. Right? And I think that's why the game was just, I don't remember it. Because you didn't have time to take no, it in. You're thinking, no look, chance. this is my chance now. Yeah. I just right? thought, touch the ball early, make, your good, make a good first touch, first tackle, and then yeah. ease yourself in the game. Simple, but mm-hmm. it's not really that simple, as you know, right? Right. So it's a bit of a, I'm sure it's a bit of a mental battle throughout the match, or, you know, any match is like that, mm-hmm. a mental battle. So, um, yeah, the mental preparation, I could only imagine. So I know you went through a lot of highs and lows throughout your, any career. So obviously, the goal against Man United mm-hmm. is a massive high. Mm-hmm. I remember here yeah, when yeah. that happened. It was huge. You know, it was in the papers yeah. here. And it's such a huge event. And it was like someone from Kitchener, you know, made it. And, you know, scored against Man United, like huge, huge, huge. And at that time, football wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. huge here. But it's still in the papers. And anyone that kind of knew... Um, you know how big the Premier League mm-hmm. was new and that was uh, something that lived with people within the community I think for a while yeah, so yeah. it was massive what about any lows is there any low moments you don't have to go say an example if you want to that'd be great but just in how it impacted you and then how do you get back up after a massive low like that especially on a stage like the Premier League because I've had lows in my career but it's like you know like in the grand scheme of things, maybe I'm playing in front of ten thousand or something, and it happens. You think the you want the ground to just swallow you mm-hmm. up, but then in my head I'm thinking, wow, this happens on a much larger scale. How yeah. do you come back from that? Thinking the whole world is is watching. Yeah, uh, yo, I've listen. There, you could you you could go on a micro scale, and there's there's weekly lows, right? You know that yeah. yourself, right? There there really is weekly lows. Are you playing? 
are you in the team? Are you starting? Are you not? Yeah. Are you coming off the bench? What role are you gonna play? I had a shit training session, like those weekly lows. But you could start, then a low could have been the very next morning after Man United. And like, yeah, I've never true. said this before, but like, the very next morning is like, wh where do you go from here now? Mm -hmm. I'm 19 years old. Yes. Uh, like, I've just accomplished everything that I've tried to accomplish since I was six years old. The fuck do you do now? Mm. Right? Yeah, you don't think about that. Right? Like, what do you do now? So, wasn't necessarily low, don't get me wrong, but you have to start thinking now. Now that is that consistency. Like, what, what, what do I have to do to stay here? Right? And yeah. then, so, I've accomplished it. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. But I still wake up, breathe in the next day and have to continue. Yeah. Right? So, it's... It is that, and that's the way. Kind of at 19 years old, is impossible to think. Yeah. Absolutely impossible to think. I didn't know then. It was. It was. That's. That was the feeling. I know mm -hmm. that now. Yeah. Doing a lot of work, but it. There's that, and then there's there's Burnley. I I, I we won promotion in the Premier League with Burnley, and then you go from such a high to winning promotion to to not be having my contract renewed, mm -hmm. right within a couple days, yeah. to getting married. Right. Within a couple of weeks, so you're like, "Whoa, Roller what is going on?" I mean, I, yeah, I went, I went promotion, to the to the the parties, to being released, to going away to a promotion party to Spain to my bachelor party, yeah, to playing for Canada, to getting married, to signing for a new team, and without even taking a breath, and you're like, oh, "What just happened? Where is six weeks just gone?" And I'm starting a new team. I got to find a new house. I got my my two year old, my wife coming over. And I'm moving cities. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the lot. stuff people don't really think about. And so that was that was a shift. And then uh, I think the biggest one, obviously, would have been the injury, the 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 knee injury, the yeah. off-field incident. So, um, yeah, that was a tough one to finish. But I think touch wood, I was good through injuries my entire career. Yeah. And that one that one struck off the field, and uh, and pretty much ended my career. I would say I was I was lucky to come back. Yeah. And, and do what I did and, and, and grateful really yeah. so yeah about tough man the, about the uh, release is this something that you had like you didn't know what was after the promotion no you had no idea what no, was going to happen no. and it just no, you can't nowhere. you can't prepare for something like that no and I think but looking back now you look like we had award ceremonies and stuff and I feel like maybe someone maybe if I read between the lines maybe I would have known but you never know it's like the contract know. renewals it's they're going, they just been promoted to the Premier League. Am I going to go play in the Premier League week in, week out? The best thing for me was probably to leave. Mm -hmm. But that team was a brotherhood. I love the managers. Like, yeah. like Sean, Di it was Sean Dyche at the time. Like, okay. dude, he, like, we, there were three of us were tearing up in the, in the room when it was happening because we were that close of a group. He, it wasn't like he was doing it. He was doing it for my best and the best of the club, which yeah. nobody's he, bigger than the club, right? Exactly. So you got to take it. Mm -hmm. But does that make it easier? No. So... With yeah. that brotherhood in the team, and you just just touched on it, nobody's bigger than the club. Is this something that was consistent throughout that particular locker room? Because that mentality is hard to get. Very hard. Isn't it? Like where someone in front of you is starting yeah. in your position, and you have to kind of you know allow them to kick on, but you have to com compete against them as well. So what was that environment like? Well, I think you're a better person than me. I think I feel like you might be okay with that. But th listen, those, that was tough, man. That was tough. Like that was like. But at that club, yeah. that is that, I mean, John Herman talked about that, that John Wooden pyramid of, of excellence, that, that stage five or whatever it may be, a brotherhood, and you're like that. Sorry, Phil Jackson talked about it too. Like, okay. you're, you're, you finally hit the pinnacle of 
where everything it's not it's the team it's what matters yes. i care about you you care about him and it, it's everything it's a it's complete cohesion yes. and that's happened twice in my life i think twice in my career it's rare very rare very rare and where it was just a joy to to be around those guys day in day out and yeah. we knew we were on the we knew we were on the cusp of something special mm-hmm. we never talked about it no the word promotion was never used around the training ground we banned it Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we self policed each other. We we looked after each other, dude. We had and we had problems too. Like we had players mm-hmm. coming in drunk. Like it was it was it was a regular English football team. Like yeah. it was there was stuff like that. But we self policed. We looked after each other. We were mature. We had a good mix of older, experienced players, young players who were coming through the game, players in the middle who were trying to make their way in the game. It, it was just it was a joy to be around, right? And then that, that culminates with. The greatest prize in, in football, promotion of the Premier League. So is that environment, is that down to the manager? Or would you say just the personalities as well in the locker room? Both. Literally 100% both. the manager. You don't have it without the manager. Yeah. No, you don't. Unless the manager unless the manager is that person and, and lives by that and it's not fake. Because soccer players, the one thing we are is street smart. Yes. The one thing soccer players are street smart, and the one thing we'll do is see straight through your bullshit as a coach. Yeah, it's true. So, and I think that's what I, I I'm striving for as my own coach is like, don't bullshit bullshitters, mm-hmm. because there's no use to it. Like you can you can do this. I'm not. Tell, I'm, I don't know everything, but I'm just saying as a player, I think that's what we would see. And, and the manager knew that, and he give the players who were listen. We're not asking players who aren't leaders to go out and lead, but but they can play a role and, and, and the leaders can bring them along, right? Yeah. So, and that's what the team was, was great at, was great at. We had a good mix. We were on and off the field. We were a brotherhood. Yeah. The wives were close. The girlfriends were close. And I think that's huge. It's big. Huge. I've had a few teams in my career where we've had a good brotherhood and it was a joy every day, but we didn't have that immediate success on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And then other teams where we were successful on the pitch, but you didn't enjoy every day. Yeah. It's, it's weird, man. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, you got to have the quality to even get promoted. We've, we, yeah, uh, in that yeah. team alone, we had players like Kieran Trippier, Scott Arfield. Like, oh, we, we had ballers on the team. Tom Heaton, like, yeah. was our goalkeeper. Like, we had we had a team, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, you need a good quality team. But I, I would still get me back in that dressing room any day of the week. Because you know when people retire, that's the one thing they miss. And give me a good dressing room over a good team any day of the week. You'll take the good dressing room? Any day of the week. Yeah. It's our job, man. It is. Would yeah. someone not want to work at a good office? Of good people with a good boss? Someone who cares about you? and Right? Like, I consider my lucky day, myself lucky day in, day out. And I think when I went to Birmingham, mm-hmm. because of that tough summer and everything... I take a lot of ownership of my, my own things. I don't blame people for stuff that happened. But... Yeah. So I don't think I really let myself be a part of that dressing room. Okay. But it wasn't the same. Yeah. You right? think you didn't open up? I don't think I opened up, and I'm, I'm, I'll take the ownership of that. But I, it, looking back now, it wasn't the same. But could I have been a part? Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't at that right moment. And funny enough, I lasted six months of Birmingham. Well, right? Yeah. So then like, that, it's, it's a balance. That balance. Yeah, man, that's always been a, a bit of a debate of mine thinking of, okay, do I want, if I were a coach or even just observing a locker room, do I want this quality player who is unreal quality but poor attitude mm-hmm. 
maybe shake up the locker room a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where it comes down to personalities because you're going to need guys in there who could kind sure. of put their arm around for sure. and control that. For right? sure. But every dressing room needs a maverick. Every dressing room yeah. needs an ego. Everyone, every professional needs an ego. It's yeah. as simple as that. It's, it's about controlling that, though. And, it, and good managers can do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Good managers can, can, can deal with a maverick. But let me ask you this. Why does it feel that it's only our sport that we have to deal with these things? Like, I feel like any other sport, I look around, especially coming back here, and I'm like, I, I get to work with the tie cats. I see the tie cats yeah. every day. And you're like, these guys die for each other. There's 60 yes. of them, uh-huh. right? And you're like, you're looking at the dressing room, and, and I think back in my time, I, I always feel like footballers, soccer players, worldwide, yeah. have got this ego about them and their chip on their shoulder about them where it's like, and I don't know what it is. It's I don't true. know what it is. I, I, and listen, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well in my time. but. Yeah. I see it more so now, and I'm like, uh, with, uh, you see other sports, like rugby. Dude, have you ever watched anything about rugby and know anything about rugby players and the way they... These guys kill each other on the field. They're, but they're, they're, they're brotherhoods. They would do like, yeah. the ownership. They sweep the dressing rooms afterwards, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's a different culture. Football culture is it's one of its own, right? Yeah. It's crazy. That's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. What about now? Okay, so we spoke a bit about the coaching environment and stuff. How is your transition going to a coach and is it something that you've always planned of or is it kind of something you along the way you're like what you know what I could kind of this is what I want to do I knew I knew early I knew real early Mm -hmm. yeah I knew I think part I honestly I think part of my career I think my career was just setting me up for this for coaching preparing you for yes yeah I think it was I think my, my life is football regardless. Yeah. It wasn't like, a, this wasn't, hey, I'm gonna coach. I'm, I'm, when I'm done, I might do some coaching. I might look at this. Fair enough. And you know what? I've had conversations with players throughout the years who are, I, I know guys who are like, I can't wait to finish my last game. I'm done. Like, I won't even kick a ball. I won't look. Really? You know those They're guys, checked right? out, yeah. And I'm like, ah. I couldn't understand these people. I couldn't understand them because I just don't know how I would go on without the game involved in my life on a day-to-day basis and yes it might change I don't see it I think I was I think I was supposed to be involved in soccer somehow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly I was given a talent to play yes. at, at some level um, and and uh, it's just given me so much right so it's I, I yeah I don't know yeah it's a, it's a tough one like each player is a bit different and for me personally I've gone through times in my life where I've gone without football for a period of time, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. I didn't like it not being in my life in some regard. It doesn't have to be playing for me. No. I love playing, but it didn't have to be that. But just having football in my life is important to me. And I've seen throughout you know, America and Canada, guys you know, retire a bit earlier, yeah, yeah. reach 30 or something, and kind of realize they want to do something else. And they're okay with it. Yeah. And each person is a bit different, right? And kind of finding that out. 100%. I respect that too. And, and you know what? I tried that. I tried to be like, hey, I'd like to try something else. I'd like to, I don't even know what I tried. I tried the guitar once. Uh-huh. A couple weeks. A couple weeks. <laughs> like, no. Nah, not for me. Like it's, it, I want to be curious about other things, and but I just, I can't force myself to do that. Yeah. The game is, is, is part of me. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, we saw what this World Cup just did for the world, man. Like massive, huge. Man. Like it, it's, it, it's mm-hmm. the game's gonna continue to grow um, exponentially throughout the world, and, and I, I want to be a part of that as well and yeah. see that grow. 
Right. How do you think it affected Canada, and how do you think it will affect Canada um, long term? Obviously, Canada's first World Cup in thirty six years, mm-hmm. and then coming in twenty twenty six in Canada hosting games. So it's that's huge, and it seems like the perfect storm brewing in Canada. Yeah. So how do you see that kind of affecting the culture here, and do you think we kick on from this, even though it wasn't, you know. In terms of results, largely successful, but I think we showed ourselves on the world stage and as a, as a you know a team that can compete on that stage. Okay. So. so, if I was to ask you four years ago, what would success be though for Canada? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been your answer. Certainly, wouldn't have been winning games at a World Cup group stage against Croatia, Morocco, and right. Like you wouldn't have thought that. No, no, it was okay. We let's hope we have a team together for twenty twenty six. Mm-hmm. Right, so like we need to temper what we what we our expectations were in this, even having them. Like John Herdman hit the nail on the head after the tournament and said, "We had to qualify for this one. Yeah. We had to mm-hmm. for the longevity of the game in this country. We had to. So that group have created history, yeah. and we won't see we won't reap the benefits of that locally for for years to come. But we had to qualify for that one in order to set us up for 2026 at home." Because without that, we're just qualifying because we're we're part of it. Yes. This one we've qualified, then we're in another one with players who have already played in the World Cup. Yes. Right? You know what it's like to get experience under your belt. Mm-hmm. Then we're moving into 2026 with a crop of new players coming through with the with the old player the old players. They're not even gonna be old, man. I mean that. Yeah. Right. Like playing. They're moving into 2026, and then you go on to 2030. Like ideally, you qualify yeah. for that, and then. You're looking at what eight years? This country is completely different. It's a completely different landscape. Yeah. It because of them, because of John Herdman, because of that group of players. Yeah. And what they did. So, yeah. Do I think we had a chance to go out and get results? Hundred percent. But that's any game of football, man. They deserve the right to be there, and then with that comes the expectation to compete, and they put that on themselves as well. So, yeah, for sure, you go there and you want to compete, but they did. They did what they needed to do for the country, by far. Massive and the margins are so small and especially on the, the you know national stage and we played against two semi-finalists eventual semi-finalists yeah. Right, which I said this when the group came out people were like ah, maybe we'll get that like does anyone play against Morocco? Has anyone seen Morocco play in the last couple of years? Yeah, I did in Morocco. We got before one <laughs> like, <laughs> No, no that wasn't on the news that like that yeah. happened and they popped us and then I saw I, I kept an eye on them But they were building in something quick, right? So yeah. It's uh yeah we two right. semifinalists right that's massive. Um, I just want to touch on the CPL a bit. So first of all, congrats on their recent championship. Thank you. Your second as your first as a coach. First as a coach, yeah, yeah. We got to the final my first year, lost in the final, and then uh, that's right. Okay. First uh, first player in history to win as a player and coach. I was just gonna say you must be yeah you're the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Right? Someone told me that after the finals. That's a nice little stat. That is. Go down in history at least. You will, <laughs> in its infancy of the league too. So yeah. a lot of records being made. But um, the CPL is, I think, making it, its influence on Canada as well. We're expecting growth. Um, so do you think having these teams in Canada is good? Obviously, I think it's, we think it's good probably for Canadians to have somewhere to play. But how is the growth of this league, along with the growth of the national team, going to help project football in this country, you know, in the longevity? Well, it's essential. I think the league, us having our own domestic league is essential. And, and what they've done the first couple of years has been tremendous, especially going through two years of COVID mm-hmm. to keep the thing ticking over. We come out of it flying with another win last year. Now we've got another team coming in in the Vancouver team next year. 
yes, we lost Edmonton, but there'll be teams to come, right? Yeah. And they've got the union that just happened. It's 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 exciting for young. If I was a young Canadian player, I would be excited because you've got these pathways. You've got League One, which is getting better. Mm -hmm. A pathway to go into the CPL. You've got the draft. It's everything you ever asked for, right? Yeah. It's just patience now players need. And, and the patience, the development, be ready, because this isn't a league to come in. The players don't think they're going to step in the CPL and... and because you played in League One or you played in yeah. your rep team that you're going to play in the CPL. Start, it's yeah. not like that. You've got players like myself coming back and playing. You had Daniel Crutzen, who's by far the best center back in, in the league and should be playing in the MLS. It's, yes. This isn't a, a walk-around, right? And I think foreign players coming over realize that too. English players coming over, like, whoa, yeah. this isn't, this isn't uh, easy. Sure. Just like when people come to the MLS, you see that. Right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's huge. Uh, it'll continue to grow. And then it coincides with, look, Joel Waterman played, started in the CPL, and he was at the World Cup. That you, you, can't come much, you can't come much full circle than that, can you? Like, right. He started in, I think he went through the draft, went to Calgary, played every game this year for Montreal in the MLS, and then goes to the World Cup because Daniel Henry gets injured right before. It's a storybook story, man. Yeah. He could have came on and played, and yeah. he deserves it. Yeah. So that was the CPL gave him the opportunity to do that. So hopefully, as the, it grows, there's more and more players to continuously do that, right? Let me ask you this, just a, a personal question. So if you were to go back to when you were 14, 15 now, and you had the opportunity to, you know, the CPL had existed, and you had the opportunity to go into the CPL, hmm. um, a CPL environment, let's say, academy, and push your way into the first team there, knowing kind of where the CPL can push players, young Canadians, you know, getting opportunities mm -hmm. abroad now, or... Um, go abroad not necessarily the pathway you had but mm -hmm. you're taking a chance abroad mm -hmm. what would be your your choice your um, mindset? am I answering that as 35 year old David or 14 year old David again no I want you to enter as you With kind of see the landscape now okay. yeah. um, I would probably have everything planned out strategically in my head regardless and, and a pathway into it I, I was Canadian Dude, I, I felt Canadian. Yeah. I've always felt Canadian. But yeah, my parents are British, and we were always in back and forward. But I felt Canadian, and I would have looked up to Canadian players. I would have been at the Hamilton Forge games. If there was a team here, I would have been yeah. at that game. I would have been begging my dad to go. I would have been a ball boy. I would, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. around the community, like we have done at Kitchener Minor Soccer, right? Things like that. Yeah. Those same types of things we would have just done with a professional team, and it would have been part of us. So that's what I'm hoping for, this, this club provides. Something like that, like these clubs provide for kids locally to, to be a fan, to have right. a Kyle Becker jersey, yes. right? And actually want to step on the field at Tim Hortons Field, right? So I probably would have gone that route, okay. but look to have gone, yeah. look to have gone for sure, I think. I think that's, I think it's great for what they're, what they're doing right now. Don't get me wrong, the league's gonna get more and more competitive, but it's still gonna be a league that we're gonna sell players on. Yeah, no doubt about it. But can we sell them on for more and more money? Can we right. produce better players to go to better clubs? Yes. Right? Can we go? Can we skip and go to abroad? Right? We've already sent players abroad, and they've done well. Mm -hmm. Players playing in Scotland now. So there's um, there's so many opportunities. I would do that. I've always. It's funny. I was I was with my dad the other day, and we were talking about. I don't think he's ever heard me say it. I think he's. I think he's always thought it. But if I had a chance to do my career again, I would I would do it in reverse. Start in Canada? No, I would, regardless of where I started country-wise, yeah. I think the level I would start at would be lower and I would try and work my uh, way up. Okay. Then start there. Yeah. And then have to attain that. 
because okay. I, I needed to learn how to play uh, the nuances of the game. Yeah. There's so much, so much the game, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's, there's so much to learn. And at 19, yeah, I played well and I scored against Man United, but I wasn't ready to play week in, week out in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got to go out and loan. And then, and then it just so happened that I wasn't, I wasn't given the opportunity to go on loan because I'm close to playing in the first team. So it was just a knock on effect. So, yeah. so yeah. Heard it here first. That's what I wish I would have done. Experience is one of those things, too, that you... Hindsight's easy. That's true, too. Experience is interesting. You could notice it in a player, though, right? They're kind of floating through situations, doing less, but doing more at the same time, right? It's it's interesting. I like watching experienced players kind of navigate. Yeah. So, but you touched on it, like having these examples and role models within our community. You see people now... Kids wearing Davies jerseys, you know, some wearing Forge yeah. jerseys, and that this is huge. This wasn't happening years ago. No, there's no one really to, you know, on that level to to look up to like that. So to see that Edgar jerseys, you yeah, know, it's, it's one big, day, man. man. Yeah. <laughs> it's might be my daughter playing in the women's team. We'll see. <laughs> one thing that I recognize about you, coaching with you, and being around you on the field, is that you still have that love, like a little, like a kid when yeah, the ball yeah. comes around. Yeah, you still want to yeah. hit the ball. Obviously, you're not just kicking balls, but you still want to, you know, strike a ball. You still play have a smile on the face, stuff, play yeah. the games, and that doesn't leave you, right? That's no, kind of no. something that's just in no, here. No. Um, so now you're giving back through DFC. You have the studio that we're in extra time. I'm, I'm going to do a, a little screen where we show it because I think people deserve to see this. Yeah, this thank you. I appreciate it, man. So now kind of where's your mindset with giving back and how do you take that kid in you and project it onto this next generation and help them because for me it's a massive service mm-hmm. like when i first saw this studio this space and what what's going on here it reminded me of i grew up at playing ymca squash courts just smashing yeah, the ball yeah, against yeah, the yeah. wall in the winter because there's nowhere else to go so to have somewhere a small studio with turf and you know how tough it is yeah. decay in winters yeah. to get touches like this so for me it's a massive service but um, with the studio, with uh, DEFC, what is your kind of plan long term, and just what are your thoughts on it giving back? Yeah, I think I think honestly it starts with the exact we talked about before, just being in that moment. And and if I'm coaching a kid or three or four kids in here or another place, it's just giving them my my time and my attention, and mm-hmm. just being there. And like you say, that that comes easy to me because I've got a ball on my feet. Yeah. So it's a. a I'm really, truly grateful. I spent a couple hours here coaching. It doesn't matter what level I'm coaching at last night. It's being here and, and actually sitting back and being like, wow, like, this, is, this is good. We're, this is good what we're doing. Yeah. Right? It's not about what's to come or anything. It's like in that moment, seeing four kids coming off the field and they're like, holy shit, I just trained with David Edgar. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I'm not one that to be like, oh, I'm David Edgar. That's just not me. You know me. But like the kids, They're it is cool them. to them. It is cool to them, yeah. right? And it would have been amazing to me as a kid, yeah. right? So if I'm able to give them an hour's worth of fun, but at the same time demand them of mm-hmm. certain, you know what I'm like at training? I demand yeah. them to listen. Certain standards we have here, and, mm-hmm. and we're just trying to build a culture, and that's what this is. And whether we're in the spot or we're out coaching, and we've got that DEFC like yourself, it's. We set a certain standard, and we and we, we expect a certain standard of the, of the kids being there, and that's that's. But that's not even going to help them be soccer players. That's going to help them be better people, yeah. Right, and help build a culture and, and something that we had. Like I missed going to Bud Park and 
getting curly fries and I don't even know if you're around for things like that but like watching the men's league on a Sunday I don't we had yeah. Mario on, on right like yeah, I yeah. used to watch Mario Halliper play on a Sunday what a player he would like things like yeah. that on a Sunday the Croatian team and it was a that was a way of life yeah. for, for these guys that was a culture yeah. and I think this city needs to somehow embrace that again yeah. getting these teams back in and just making it making it more of an environment instead of well I play for who or blah 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 you know and, and yeah. like it's a game. It's a it's everyone's game. We just saw that with the World Cup. It's mm-hmm. everyone's game. We got going into schools and we got kids who can't afford to play. Yeah. But they're playing in the school field in the winter, right? Like yeah. you're telling me kids they don't love this game? Right? Yeah. Culture for me too is huge. Like this is something that just breeds players who already love the game but gives them something more behind it. So we need places like this. We need coaches. Um, with passion I think mm-hmm. passion is the important thing passion and, and the knowledge of course to some degree but even different um, method- methods different techniques mm-hmm. is important right to building yeah, building yeah. the culture and I think it's all needed so yeah um, David man it's been a pleasure I think you provided a lot of information no, some you. good stories as well and like I said that kind of joy that you bring on the field um, it's something that you know. I just know comes from an inside place that you it will never leave you. Hundred percent, man. I so, appreciate that. Thank you. Of course, man. It's been a pleasure and uh, massive respect. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate, it, man. All good. Awesome, boys. I enjoyed that. That was good. Man.